This guy is really good. Machine. Robocop. What is he? He's a cyborg, you idiots. All hero. What are your prime directives? Protect the innocent. Let the woman go, or there will be trouble. Uphold the law. You are under arrest. What is this shit? Justice gets an upgrade. Looking for me? Your move, creep. Robocop. Thank you for your cooperation. Good night. Ciao, people, and welcome to our 228th episode of Happiness and Darkness, the superhero movie podcast, where we discuss superhero movies from Marvel, DC, Dark Horse Image, and more. Naturally, there will be spoilers, folks, so you have been warned. I am one of your hosts, Dijanek, and as always, joining me is my podcasting partner in crime and wonderful friend, Mr. Keith Bliss. Hey, Keith, how are you today? Uh, not too bad. Can't complain. I'm just sitting here enjoying this classic movie as we were talking about offline uh, it brings me back so much joy it's hysterical um so i'm just a happy-go-lucky kind of idiot right now <laughs> fantastic well of course the movie that uh, keith is alluding to ladies and gentlemen is the reason why we're here because today we are discussing robocop from 1987 this was directed by Paul Verhoeven. It was written by Edward Neumeyer and Michael Miner, while the score was by Basil Polidoris, whom we had encountered several episodes back because he is the man who scored Conan. So in today's, and to put in today's money, this movie cost $38 million to make and made $142 million at the box office. So it did pretty well for itself, I should say. So getting into general impressions, Keith, you were mentioning your childhood. So, you know, your thoughts back then, rewatching it now, what did you make of RoboCop? It's weird to watch this movie again, because this movie came out in 1987. And I probably watched it a little after this, probably like 89-ish. And I'm a kid of the 70s, so I was like a roaring like 12 or 13 years old. So I was right in that, watch everything blow up and just just be in awe of everything. And I, I'm very much a robot kid. You know, I like robots, I like playing with robots. So this was like the the trifecta of crap blowing up, mindless violence, and robots. I mean, what could a 13-year-old ask for? And I, I will say it you know, it hit it out of the park in terms of when I watched it as a little kid. Now watching it as middle-aged me, it's hysterical because now I notice so many more parallels to what's actually going on in Detroit and in that part of the country. And it's so crazy. The fact that this movie came out in 1987 and we are now in 20, I was going to say 14, but we're not in 2014 anymore, 2024. And it really holds up in terms of the crime and the, the you know, the corruption and corporate greed and all of that stuff impressively holds up all these decades later while some of the story points don't hold up quite as well in terms of how well of a police officer murphy was and and robocop or the fact that they have magic shotguns that shoot a thousand bullets but that's more of a special effects thing uh, I, I will say it it's a interesting rewatch i enjoyed it again it brought back all the little kid memories and you know i sat here and kind of um 
laughed and chuckled at a lot of things now because the jokes hit differently as you get older. You watch some of these movies and you're like, oh, I didn't get that when I was you know, 12 years old, 13 years old, or whatever the case may be. And now you're an adult and you're like, oh, I get why he keeps saying I'd buy that for a dollar because he's buying a hooker. Oh, I understand. When you're 12 or 13, you don't have that kind of life experience to grab grasp jokes like that. Um, that being said, is it perfect? No. Is it good for the time it came out in terms of special effects and the practical effects? You know, the fact that he's wearing this giant suit of armor, Peter Weller, and he walks a lot in this movie, an impressive amount. And to see somebody like Robert Downey Jr. have everything CGI'd, it's just like it's, it's the way things have progressed are insane. The fact that Peter Weller's character had to literally walk around in the giant suit and was kind of a contributing factor why he didn't necessarily continue to play the part later on in life. Um, it, it's kind of shows you how far we've come or fallen, depending on how you look at it. I miss the practical effects like this. Uh, there was a TV show in the early 90s of RoboCop, which shows you how practical effects can kind of be corny. And that's the double-edged sword to this. You can either have perfect effects or just enough to make it not campy. So it's it's definitely a fine line. And uh, I, I enjoy it. I literally, as we were talking offline, I have it playing in the background. And I'm sitting here grinning ear to ear. You can attest to this. And I'm just a happy little kid watching this movie all over again. Um, are some of the jokes a little long-winded and they could have been cut? Probably. Are all other things make your head scratch? 100%. But overall, a fun watch. Very well put. I, I will I will say yes. Uh, we were talking about this off-air. We almost did our, our, another, a second review. This is like a second review, seeing as we were already talking about this off-air and we're just getting into the, into the weeds of it. It has been a long, long time since I'd watched this. My brother is a huge fan of the Robocop franchise in general, to the point to where his avatar on WhatsApp is literally Robocop. So that, that tells you how, what a big fan he is, he is of this film. And I still recall how many times he and another friend of mine would literally binge watch YouTube videos of clips from this movie. And that's how, how how engrossed he was at the time when he first saw I mean, my brother was born in 1990, so he came rather late to the party and then he got to see it, you know, around like the early 2000s, if you will. But other than that, the the my second this rewatch that I did for this for the podcast today, I actually ended up watching this with my mother, which was a very interesting experience because um, the situation was I'd gone, I'd gone uh, to, to see my parents and help them out and everything else. At a certain point, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna watch a movie that I have to do for a pod for my podcast. And so I just sat down, turned on their TV, and you know, opened Prime Video, which is where I what I saw it. My mom comes into the living room, she sits down, and goes, What are you watching? And I'm like, I'm watching Robocop. And she's like, Oh my god, and stuff. So at first she's kind of like raising her eyes to the ceiling. Then she actually sits down and watches it and is very much engrossed in what she's watching. And it's literally like she had all the right reactions, like, oh no, that, that's terrible. Oh no, what happens? And all this kind of like when the gas station explodes, she was like, oh no, what's going to happen now? Is, is he going to survive and everything else? So she she was very much into it. And I was like, wow, look at you, mom. And there was some point she was like, okay, I've got to go. I've got a, a Zoom meeting to do. So she left the room and did it, went her zoo, to do a Zoom meeting. So she didn't get to see how it ended. Fun fact, the next day, she calls me and says, how did RoboCop end? 
So I'm like, wow, she really enjoyed it. So I had to give her the whole spiel about how the movie ended. And she asked me sort of questions that you and I actually uh, postulated earlier about. She's like, but if he's a robot, why does he have a face? And that's why I had to tell, you know, I tried not to mansplain it as people say these days, but I was like, because he technically is a cyborg, he's not a robot. And, you know, folks in the sci-fi world know the, the, the differences between a cyborg and a, and a robot. Cyborg will tend to have more human parts to him, like, for example, the Terminator, whereas a robot is literally just a robot. It's all just circuits and 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 the rest mechanical parts. There's nothing human to a robot. And so it can it is a bit of a misnomer to call it Robocop. But that said, I thoroughly enjoyed this film. At the same time, I as I told you, Keith, off air, I wonder where this was supposed to be more of a black comedy and a satirical movie than a straight out, a straightforward action movie with sci-fi overtones. Because of some things, you know, I'm sure that as, as kids went way over our heads, you mentioned that I'd buy that for a dollar, that just the talking heads parts. As a kid, you're like, okay, these are just two people reporting on the news. It very much reminded me of both the comic and the movie The Dark Knight Returns. It had that kind of feel to it of, I'm like, it's, it almost seemed like Frank Miller could have done this film because it's very satirical, you know, commenting, of course, the big problem of the violence that was, it, was in Detroit in the 80s. And from what you tell me, it's still a problem to this day. I guess there's violence in the streets and drugs and... And just the complacency possibly of newscasters, because when you see these two newscasters, they're literally almost laughing at the horrendous things that are happening in the world. So it's almost like, yeah, it happens kind of situation. So it was I saw that kind of black comedy to it. And also some action scenes are rather comedic, almost akin to something that trauma would do simply just the way that Alex Murphy is murdered, just the, the limbs jumping off him and stuff. It's very, very um bloody and gory that you'd see maybe in an early Sam Raimi film or in a trauma movie. And I was like, wow, I did not remember it was this gory. And even later, you know, one of the henchmen gets uh, in, you know, doused with uh, the toxic waste and he's walking around going, help me, and kind of looking like uh, sloth from the Goonies. I'm like, wow, what is going on here? So I thoroughly enjoyed it more for maybe the messages it was trying to say than actually, actually what was on screen. As in, had it been a straightforward, mindless action movie, I'd be like, okay, it's just another action movie from the 80s. But I think there's a deeper story here. And, and I really appreciate Paul Verhoeven for doing it that way. I thought it was great. And like you said, I'm a big fan of practical effects myself. So kudos to uh, Verhoeven's team for doing such a great job when it came to the prosthetics and the armor and everything else. Some things are a little kooky and we'll get to those. But on that, yes, I thought it was very much a fun watch. So I guess then moving on to uh, our characters on the board, let's start by looking at our titular character, his partner and his creator. We have, of course, the aforementioned Peter Weller as Alex Murphy, Robocop, Nancy Allen as Anne Lewis, of course, Murphy's partner, and Miguel Ferrer, of all people, as Bob Morton. So what do you make of these three characters, Keith? Um, They're good for what they are um they're very one-dimensional in terms of characters you don't really see much of alex's character outside of he's been transferred and then the same day he gets murdered so you're like all right shit happened and there's not much else and 
they do eventually go have him travel back to his old home, but it's been abandoned. And other than what is it, two or three flashbacks of the exact same scene, there's no reference to anything. There's, you know, he's married, and that's about it in terms of like how long they've been married. They have a son who is maybe 12 or 13. I don't know. They could have 17 kids. They show you one. Um, same thing with um, the other character, Annie. You just hear as cop. She is cop and is cop and is only cop. At the end of the day, she just crawls into her locker and goes to sleep because she doesn't live anywhere. Um, so it, it's just very... They're very basic in terms of like we're just going to give you enough to care, and after that, whatever. Same thing with the OCP exec. Uh, Miguel plays Bob. He's in what three scenes of the whole movie, and one of the scenes is him getting blown to smithereens while he's got a table covered in I don't know, probably ten pounds of cocaine or whatever the narcotic is of the day, and two hookers. So he literally. Is the like the drug kingpin cliche of everything of the the eighties and nineties? It's you know they party hard with you know again enough cocaine to put down a horse or whatever narcotic is, and blah 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 blah, and then bad guy breaks into bad guy's house and atomizes. So it he was really for what he was or for the amount of time he was in the movie, he was played very well. I enjoy Miguel playing good guy, bad guy, in between, you know, sidekick, all that henchman. He he's a nice, diverse actor. Granted, 99% of the time you see him on screen, you assume he's going to be the bad guy. In this case, everybody's the bad guy in OCP. He's just the least bad of bad guys. He is the generic, stereotypical um, middle management trying to you know weasel his way up the food chain and he's trying to take his boss's position. And as we'll explain later on, he's a functioning sociopath as well. So everybody in this movie is just this side of completely batshit crazy and corrupt. Um, Murphy and the cops, the actual cops, I would say, are the most grounded individuals in this franchise in general. Otherwise, everybody's just greedy as shit and trying to literally kill each other, which ends up happening numerous times over in this movie so were they you no know, oscar worthy performances no are they perfect for this movie a hundred percent do i think peter weller is robocop one thousand percent they have cast other people that have played done a decent job but very much how people think michael keaton is batman peter weller is robocop and yes i, I, I catch a lot of shit for that batman comment and i'm fine with that I guess we shall have to see. I have to be honest. I, I, some reason I never got around to watching the the sequels to this RoboCop two, RoboCop three, and then the uh, remake, which came out in twenty fourteen. I know there's also a TV show out there, but um, that said, I mean, when it comes to these characters, it, I I very much agree. It almost seems like everything outside law enforcement. You just you know, so should we say your average Joe in this film. There doesn't seem to be a decent person living in Detroit when it comes to this film. As in, they're either hoodlums or they're, or they're criminals or they're just random bystanders. You don't really get any moments of 
humanity if you were somebody who's nice you know uh, helping an old lady cross the street rather than probably be mugging them or i don't know children playing or something i guess they wouldn't because detroit is is horrible in this movie i'm not saying now i'm just saying in this movie so it's very much as like gotham city if you will when it comes to the way detroit is portrayed in this film so yes it's true it very much it gives that idea of people are violent people are horrible there is very much it's very much an angry world where have we seen that? And I think, sadly, we're living those times again. It's very much an angry world today, too, lamentably. But yes, I, I agree. I think when it comes to Alex, he is like, probably the most grounded of them all, even when he undergoes his uh, surgery to become Robocop, not uh, you know against his will, of course, because he's literally a corpse at that point, which kind of made me scratch my head. So like, if he's dead... How the heck have, can they resurrect him? I mean, it shows he's still kind of alive. I'm like, he got shot. He got his arm short, shot off. So he could, he would have easily have just died from blood loss. And he got shot in the head. You mm -hmm. usually don't come back from that. I right. mean, 99.9% .9 cases are what you get shot in the head. I mean, I haven't been shot in the head, but I'm scientifically, you usually get shot in the head. You're not coming back. And I'm like, how the hell is he still alive? So I Pure get it. Luck. Exactly. I get I get it. It's a movie. It's not real. And so, of course, they're like, OK, even though he got shot in the head, he's still he's still going. And maybe it's the, the story trying to tell us how resilient Alex is as a person to cling on to life that desperately that he's able to, you know, obviously he's able to be, to be a viable candidate for, I guess we could call it the rope, the OCP Robocop project. But then when he becomes Robocop, yeah, of course, he is very much this, at first, this very mindless machine who just follows uh, the, the directives of being a cop. Literally, he's very much almost like Judge Dredd, where it's, it's black and white. There's no, no in between. But then, thanks to Anne, he kind of regains his humanity because she's the one who's like, you're, you're, you're Alex Murphy. That's your name. That's who you are. And that kind of jogs something in his brain and we seem to do all the research on who alex murphy was and who killed him and then like you said we seem to visit his family home which has now kind of been abandoned and it's a very tragic moment i find it a very tragic moment when he's walking into the house and he's having these flashbacks kind of like i think sits on the i don't think he sits on the bed but just kind of looks around him it's a very sad moment because like this man died and was brought back for no desire of his own and now he's living this life where he might, he might never find happiness. And that's a very sad thing to say. But you think, will he ever be happy now that he is in this situation where all he has is his job of being the Robocop? And he has a son out there, possibly. We don't know who, where, where, where he is. Or multiple children, like you were alluding to. And his wife just left and moved on. And so he really doesn't have anybody in the world, aside, I guess, from... Anne, who is his partner, and she's the one that kind of very much allows him to regain his humanity. I would have liked her to have more. Granted, she is there in the final shootout, if you will, when the Bodica gets killed. So at least she gets something to do there. She helps Murphy in that situation. So she did get something to do. But she was more, I think, the the um, the reason she was there was to him to regain his humanity and not just be like, say, Ed 209. I'm just following orders just robotically, literally, no pun intended, and just, you know, catching criminals or killing them. And even when he's about to kill Bodica, he remember the director comes up, he can't kill people. 
So there is also some morality there as well. And so I appreciated that. When it came to Bob Morton, I actually liked him at first when during the board meeting where you have that terrible failure of Ed 209 that literally guns down one of the employees. Nobody cares. I'm like, that guy just literally was murdered in front of me. Nobody cares, which shows you, I think, as you mentioned, the facelessness of corporations where who cares if people die? The important thing is making the money. And Bob, at first, when he was promoting the whole Robocop thing, I'm like, he seems like he's got noble intentions, but that's not the case. Because like you astutely pointed out, Keith, he's climbing the corporate ladder because him and the other guy are literally butting heads to basically get to him and Dick Jones are butting heads to grab the old man's position. I love that he, he's called the old man. He doesn't have a name. <laughs> that's fantastic. But they, that's what they're aiming for. And then once he, you know, his project is funded and Robocop is a success, he, become, he shows his true colors. He's just another corporate suit enjoying the excesses of life, drugs, prostitutes, you name it. And like, man, I thought you were cool. And so I didn't I have to admit, I didn't really shed a tear when he was killed. I'm like, okay, he was Robocop's creator, if you will, but he was a very bad creator. It wasn't, there was no kind of fatherly relationship between him and his creature, if you will. He's just like, I did something great. Now, now I'll get the money, and I'll get the women, and I'll be uh, full of drugs more than, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, Scarface, to, to, you know, to use a comparison. But yeah, Bob Morton we, uh, was, not, was not upset to see you go. So anything else you would like to you would like to add, uh, Keith, on these three characters before we get to our real villains? <laughs> well, I, I will say that you should definitely check out the other Robocop movies because his character does slowly regain, I'm not going to say all of his humanity, but a good portion of his humanity. It, as each movie progresses, he gets a little bit more and a little bit more to the point where I'm not going to say he's back to normal but as close to normal as can be for a dude who got 97 percent of his body blown off and took a bullet to the skull mm. okay so there is some character development in this franchise that's a good thing i'm glad to a hear that a little bit we're not going crazy the tv show does also um provide some more interaction with him and his family and even his son so there is a little bit more interaction they do expand upon all the shortcomings of this first one or many oh, shortcomings i should say well that's that's great to hear and i guess then that's definitely a reason for me to go watch this you know watch them and of course folks we we will eventually be reviewing said said movies indeed so i guess then let's round off our characters by looking at our villains we have kurtwood smith as clarence bodica ronnie cox as dick jones and Ed 209. So I guess when it comes to these three villains, Keith, what do you make of them? I mean, you know, they're bad guys. You don't, there's nothing good's going to come of this, these guys in any stretch of the imagination. Um, I will say, I don't understand why for a demo, they brought Ed 209 into a boardroom fully loaded. Like, who thought that was a good idea? I'm sorry. When I watch this, even as a little kid, I'm sitting there like, but, but I'm a teenager and I know you shouldn't put bullets in a giant walking machine gun. And what do they do? Load them up with machine gun, you know, load them up with bullets and rockets and bazooka, all the, the crap. And what happens? Ed 209 malfunctions and murders somebody. In the first 30 seconds, he's turned on, he murders somebody. So it's like, you, you maybe 
probably should have put some guardrails in there. And, you know, Ed 209 is the most um, generic of all of these characters. He is literally just a, a walking toaster with guns. He, You point him in a direction, you're like, go kill this thing. Okay. And that's what he does. He literally, he is the R2-D2 of RoboCop. He goes, he falls down a flight of stairs. Again, he's got the same weakness as that kid from Game of Thrones. Stairs. And the Daleks, um, of course. And, and the same thing as the Daleks. The Daleks have problems with doorknobs and stairs. Yeah. Who knew? The most infinite supreme race of murdering machines. What's a weakness? Doorknobs. Fuck. You win this round. Um, Ed 209 has the same. And you would have thought that they would have uh, put in, again, this goes back to the common sense scenario. You, they would have put some sort of logic in place of like, don't try to go downstairs or upstairs or, you know, hurt oneself. Granted, you know, it's a robot and it's only as good as it's programming. And this was, you know, made in 1987. So what can you honestly expect from, you know, these guys? So, I mean, Ed's Ed. You can't hate on Ed too much. You know, you can honestly hate on Dick Jones because he's a piece of shit. He deserves to get what he got at the end of the movie. Um, You know, he, again, another one of these characters comes on screen and like the minute he opens his mouth, you're like, I hate him. He is greedy corporate guy. You know, greedy corporate guy number three because that's basically, there's only four when they show us. And he, there's nothing about him that you're like, I like him. I want to go hang out with him. Like you're literally like, I hope he gets hit by a car. And the fact that when RoboCop gets built, he puts in a provision not to kill senior management. Where the hell was that for Ed 209? Not to kill senior management. You would have thought that would be a standard, like don't murder me clause in all of their shit. Just for that specific reason, in case it goes haywire, it shuts down instead of blowing up a hole in poor little Bill. You know, what's his wife going to think? You know, like, here's what's left of your husband. He All he did was go to work today. Um, In terms of the old man, he was fine. He was just, again, generic asshole, you know, old man guy. Uh, so he's another one. I, I will say... um. Clarence, which is the best name ever for a bad guy. We all fear yeah. Clarence. <laughs> it's like Francis from Deadpool. <laughs> exactly. Clarence and Francis, they went to school with each other. Um, other than the really over-the-top way he dies at the end of the movie, um, he was actually a decent bad guy. He, every time he walked on screen, he you knew he was the asshole in charge. You knew he was the bad guy. You knew that he wasn't, you know, messing around. He went toe to toe with a drug cartel, and the drug cartel was like, "All right, we're not messing with this dude." They're literally the drug cartel. They run the shit in town, and they were like, "Maybe not." You know, I'm, I'm gonna mm, maybe not mess with this dude. So the fact of the matter that big bad can get big bad to blink is impressive. Um, where I will say it kind of lacks is the final confrontation between him and Robocop where they're literally standing in a pond <laughs> not really a pond but standing water in I guess an old rundown plant or iron facility or something 
and they literally shoot each other. Granted, Iron, no, I was going to say Iron Man. Robocop is under about 100 tons of steel and metal and whatnot, and he makes like the most wanted bajillion shots, and he jabs him in the side of the neck with uh, that data spike, which I wanted, I wanted to know the pitch meeting for that. How are we going to transfer data? A giant spike. Okay, sign me up. Like, it's the only thing, other random thing here that can be used as a weapon. But I, again, it's functional. It, it can't, it, it, while it was convenient as all get out, it, it got the job done. And it was probably the most trauma villain way to kill somebody in terms of, you know, the over the top in the beginning. This was the over the top at the end. The, the, this whole draw on guns, yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. And how's he die? Spike to the throat. Okay. Like that, that we'll do that. That's fine. I, again, this is one of those, as we have mentioned numerous times before, they got to the last X number of minutes and they're like, shit, we have to kill somebody, murder somebody, arrest somebody, do something to tie up loose ends. And what do we do? Stab them in the throat. I mean, it, it, it is what it is. It's fine. It's not, again, Oscar worthy material. It's not, you know, Oppenheimer, but. It's still a pleasant watch. You enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I know most of our fans would enjoy it. Especially, you know, Robocop gets his just desserts at the end with Ed 209. He blows him up with a that giant sniper rifle gun bazooka thing that he has. So, you know, everybody gets what they deserve at the end of this movie. Exactly. Good and bad. And yeah, yeah I, I guess then starting with you know myself with Ed 209, I remember uh, playing a, a great game, which you know, sadly, I, I would be great if they brought it back. I'll probably have to see if I can find an emulator of it or something. Or uh, which was Robocop versus Terminator, and it was such a fun. It was so fun. I mean, literally, it was literally for those who were too young to to remember this game, folks. It was literally a side-scrolling sh shooting game, if you will, where you played Robocop. And you would literally go through the scenarios of both of, of uh, meeting both adversaries of Robocop. And of course, you'd get to fight Terminators all over the place. And in fact, the last villain you would you would fight would be Skynet, which was literally just a giant Terminator head, which was fantastic. But among the villains, of course, there was Ed 209. I believe it was actually the first boss that you had to beat. And if you got to beat Ed 209, you would get his gun. And that was one heck of a gun to have. And so I have some very fond memories of Ed from that game here it was very odd because i love the snarl that ed has that's one of the best effect best um sound effects for for this robot the way it just goes Rawr! i like that, that's that's impressive that'll that'll probably make make you kind of you know lose your stuff just just hearing that not to mention this giant robot with these with his machine guns pointed at you but then he can't go downstairs and when he tries, he rolls down and can't get back up. He's like on his back crying like a baby. I'm like, who decided it was a good idea to have Ed cry and go, wow. I mean, it's painful to hear because you can almost he feel, hear Ed's frustration in that moment. But it's also very strange coming from a robot. So, it, it, and, and of course, well, I guess the snarl as well. Well, you wouldn't expect that, but. I did find it hilarious when Robocop blew him up, like you mentioned that towards the end of this film, where you hear these very odd noises once it's been blown, it's like and then just the two he's legs crying or something. Yeah, and then the two just the, his legs are left 
and this green smoke comes out of the legs and down he goes it's like wow okay there there were some things there so some kinks to kind of be worked out there when it came to ed 209 ocp and yeah like you mentioned the board meeting you know you want to give a demonstration you don't want to have a murder on your hands like this is what we're trying to sell you, boss, so that we, we want you to finance. So the, I guess literally pitching Ed 209 to the old man. It's like, invest in this project. How the hell are they going to invest if one of the people dies? Granted, even the old man, who seems to be the Murticom's kindest of the group, he doesn't really bat an eye, eyelid when, when, when there's a guy just murdered on the floor. He's almost like Mr. Burns saying, send a widow a corsage and a ham kind of thing. But... Uh, <laughs> No, I don't think he'd spend the money on the ham. Probably just a corsage and a cheap one at that. But, uh, but yeah, so that was that was crazy. It blew my mind. I'd forgotten about that scene watching this when it happened. I'm like, holy crap. And everybody just like, it's okay, it's another Tuesday. We'll just have to hire somebody else, such as life. Because you do see people shocked. But then after that, it's like, okay, get back to your life, guys. We've got work to do. And and so he was he was an, an interesting, um, should say, villain for Robocop to have, because of course you want to have, you know, the counterparts to Robocop is Ed 209. It's not much of a fight. I mean, at no. first, at first he seems to have, uh, have the, have the advantage over Robocop at the beginning before the stairs scene, because literally his guns can pierce Robocop's armor. Uh, but, uh, but other than that, once he falls down the stairs, it's good. What, what I w- really kind of um, was not traumatizing, but, made me kind of feel really bad for Robocop is after that when the cops keep shooting at him and he right. can't get and can't get away. I almost want, was almost like wanted to shout the screen, make it stop because it was just like, so it was a very powerful scene because Robocop was literally on, on his back or on his, or, or on his front trying to crawl away and trying to get away. And luckily, and is there to save him. So, you know, good on Yan for kind of, helping him then get back to where he has to be so he can be battle ready. So yeah, that was a very strong scene for me. I, I was like, wow, that's that's a really good scene. When it comes to Bodica, yes, I agree. He's a good villain. I mean, he very much is your underworld criminal who is being funded by Dick Jones. And you're like, another message here of how corporate suits have the, their hands are particularly dirty as well, as they are literally funding these goons to take out people they don't want or don't like. And Clarence is very much the, the head foot soldier of Dick Jones. But as a the leader of his gang, he's definitely definitely quite the menacing guy. He's, of course, a psychopath, like you mentioned. And just the way when, when uh, Murphy you know dies, ostensibly, the way just Clarence treats it is like, yeah, this is a really, really bad guy. He has no no feeling whatsoever, no heart, no emotion. And I'm just glad he got he got he died the way he did, like you know, in perfect trauma fashion. Boom, knife to the neck, and that's it. And I was also very much grinning when Ron, when Dick Jones got his got his uh, just desserts, and it was thanks to the old man who says you're fired, and so he's no longer a, a member of the company. So and Robocop goes thank you and shoots him, and out the window he goes. So that was fabulous. That was like, I thought that was actually kind of clever to be honest. The fact is like you're fired. So automatically, the directive that uh, Dick Jones had put in Robocop no longer is valid because he's no longer a member of OCP. I thought it was a rather clever one. But yes, he's a horrible person and, uh, and very much think is the, the poster child for everything wrong with corporate America in, uh, in the 80s, according to 
Paul Verhoeven and his writers. So very well done. It is very much exaggerated. It's very much, like as I mentioned, satirical and a parody. But it was great to see Dick Jones uh, plummet out the window and everybody, like you said, gave their just desserts. And I will finally add, the ending put a big smile on my face because you have Alex coming into, you know, having literally shot Dick Jones out of a window. The old man is very happy and he just goes, now shooting, son, what's your name? And he just smiles at him and goes, Alex or Murphy. So he says, Murphy. And out the door he goes. And that's the ending of our film. I was like, that was fantastic. Great ending. We didn't have to see Robocop riding out into the into the uh, sunset in the police car or on the motorbike. That was great. I love that. Um, did you have anything else you wanted to add on this film, Keith, before we get to ratings? No, I, I think you, you you hit all the points. I, the, the ending, what's your name, son? Like he, he doesn't know who Robocop is. He literally funded the project. And Robocop's like, Murphy, and just walks off. Yeah. Yep, that's how I want the movie to end. Nothing else. Yeah, I, it was a perfect ending. And I, I, and I wish I could have been in the theaters to see the reaction from the audience back in 1987. They were probably fist pumping and saying this is an amazing movie and such. But it uh, would have been interesting. The, the, the interesting Heck, I, I was pumped after this. Movie. I was like, yeah, awesome. And the great score by Paulie Dewardis then just rises up. And like epic stuff. So yeah, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed myself. And uh, shame my mom didn't get to see the ending of this because I said she had a Zoom meeting to attend to. But yeah, getting getting then to ratings, Keith. What do you give RoboCop out of ten? I, I I don't know. I'm very I'm very torn because it's you know as we've mentioned, it's not a great movie by any stretch of the imagination. It does hold up, but there are still you know writing weaknesses and some flaws to it. But I, I think I'm going to have to go. With, it, it's kind of like my tried and true. I'm I'm probably going to go seven. Seven and a half, seven point five. It, it a little bit tweaking could have made it an eight. It's a little bit tweaking could have made it a, a four. So I think seven point five. It's it's a fun watch. I enjoy it. I, I you know watched it. I can't even tell you how many times I've watched the movie, and every time it's still a fun watch, even though I know exactly how it's going to end. I'm actually right there with you. It was almost an eight for me as well, because as I mentioned before, it's a very and folks might think I'm I've totally lost my marbles, but it's I thought I thought it was a very clever film for what it was doing. At the same time, it can also be seen as a little bit heavy-handed and rather ham-fisted when it comes to this is what we're showing you. Isn't America terrible? Look at these talking heads and everything. And as I mentioned before, it very much reminded me to a certain extent of what Frank Miller did with uh, with The Dark Knight Returns. And uh, and again, it very much had that feel of grim and grit and stuff. And I love The Dark Knight Returns, so obviously I'm going to enjoy this too because it very much has that sentiment at its core. And also the fact of somewhat humanizing Robocop as well, I thought was great, was cool. The soundtrack I really enjoyed, as I said, what Basil Polidoulis did with the score, it's incredibly memorable. That was the only, that was the one thing I actually remembered when this movie started was the score. Because it's it's one of those scores that just remain stays with you, just kind of like the Conan uh, score, which is very epic, very sort of you know super you know superhero, just heroic. That's what I got from this, and I loved it. So yes, a seven and a half out of ten for me. So getting then to recommendations, Keith, what would you like to recommend to folks who watched and possibly enjoyed RoboCop? Uh, I would definitely recommend RoboCop two. RoboCop three is kind of a stretch because they did change lead actors in it uh, if you do want to see a little bit more of the quote-unquote day in the life of robocop 
check out the 90s TV series. While it is not great by any stretch of the imagination, it is very much a you know TV series. So the budget is not where some of these TV series are now. But I think that series is good. The spinoff movies were all decent. And if you can find them, check out the comic books from the old Robocop run because they are uh, an interesting run to read as well. They're very much a product of their times. Mm. Well, I, I, I'm right there with you because I will say the Robocop comics are available on Comixology. And Comixology, if you're listening, please sponsor us. We definitely would appreciate it. But <laughs> please. <laughs> you get you get multiple shout outs. So just saying, if anybody who's listening to us works at Comixology, let, let them know about this little show of ours. But yes, I will say you can find them there. As you said, Keith, if you're lucky, you might find uh, the paper version of these at your local comic book store and of course always support your local comic book store because they definitely deserve your support so uh, i guess uh you know check out your local comic book store and see if they have any of these classic robocop comics out there we should probably ask um our mutual friend john seymour if he if he has read any of those because i know he's very much into the classic comics so we should probably ask him about that but uh, more about john seymour shortly but yes i would also recommend the comics uh i enjoyed i read a couple of issues and enjoyed them and i think i might actually end up buying a couple more i just bought the the first three issues and uh yeah it was it was a good fun read now i also will eventually get to watch robocop 2 and 3 and check out that 90s series for sure so, dear listeners, of course, if you want to share your thoughts on the movies we discuss here, you can do so by shooting us an email, and that email address is happinessindarknesshow at gmail.com. Once again, happinessindarknesshow at gmail.com. You can share your support by giving us a like on Facebook, where you'll find us as Happiness in Darkness, or you can follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter, we're at High Darkness Pod. Finally, if you are listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, be sure to give us a rating and review. This helps the show grow and, of course, allows our keeps our algorithm stimulated and allows us to reach even more like-minded ears like yours. And a big thank you to those who have done that and a future thank you to those who will. And a Keith, so when you're not here discussing such epic movies like Robocop, where can folks find you and the other great things that you do? Well, as I said last week, unfortunately, the CIA has me locked into a long-term contract, so I cannot confirm nor deny things that are going on in the world right now. But, um, yeah, I do have another podcast I occasionally frequent called The Hour of Comics is Upon Us with John Seymour and Jason Gorin. We do talk about random comic book characters, stories, first appearances, um, just anything that really strikes our fancy. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, and all the other podcasting platforms. Um, we did finally get all of our squirrels in a room together and recorded the giant size X-Men. So that should be live right now. You guys can check it out. Give it a listen. Um, I'm also always on our Facebook page creeping along. So if anybody wants to drop a comment, message, whatever i'm always down to talk about comic books cartoons anime manga pick your poison and keith is always a great guy to hang out with folks be it virtually or in person i'd not have the luxury to hang out with keith in person but uh, i can definitely vouch for saying he's a great guy to hang out with virtually and when it comes to me, you can find me hosting the radio show Whiskey and Cigarettes, where we play more country music than you can shake a stick at, from Alabama to Zach Brown. And for more information about that, you can visit our website, which is whiskeyandcigarettesshow.com. 
Podcast-wise, you can also find myself, Zan Sprouse, and Rachel Friend on Gold Standard, the Oscars podcast. We're reviewing all the best picture winners in chronological order. We are almost uh, basically current, folks, because this week we will be reviewing Everything Everywhere All at Once, which, of course, is the 95th movie to have won Best Picture, while we wait, of course, for Best Picture 96, which will, of course, will be revealed on March the 10th of this year. Everybody's very excited about that. And last but certainly not least, myself and that guy who you've heard quite a few times on this podcast, Charles Skaggs, we can be found on the Fandom Zone podcast, where we're currently reviewing the latest MCU TV show, Echo, and having a blast doing that. And speaking of things to come on this show, next time we'll be going back to the DC animated movies as we'll be taking on the 2009 Sam Liu film, Superman, Batman, Public Enemies. So, Keith, anything else you would like to add on our next movie or anything else before we sign off? Um, I think you'll enjoy this one. I own this movie. I've watched it a few times. It's not the best animated, but it is definitely a fun there are some scenes you will enjoy greatly and you'll thank me for it <laughs> i'm sure i certainly will and after all you know it is the stories that stay with you uh past the visual the, the visual stuff so if it's a good story i'm sure i'll definitely enjoy it so that said folks thanks as always for listening to the show and supporting us we will see you next time with superman batman public enemies until then thank you so much for the privilege of your time stay super ciao my people